in the middle of a short series of messages which speak to three major topics from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And they are sexual purity, speech, and friends. You know the Proverbs. The Proverbs are a collection of 915. Did you know there were that many? 915 Holy Spirit-inspired sayings, each of which conveys either a general truth or it conveys some kind of wise counsel. Of course, there are many other topics besides these three that are addressed in Proverbs, but these three have more to do with whether or not you and I live a life without regrets. These three have more to do with whether or not we live a blessed life. And so last weekend, we learned that sexual immorality can trash your life. It can negatively impact your physical health in the form of STDs, HIV, AIDS. It can negatively impact your emotional health, depression, the loss of self-respect, the loss of the capacity to truly value and deeply love another person. And it negatively affects your spiritual health by the introduction of guilt and shame into your relationship. Dr. Chris Iliads writes, promiscuity can even threaten your longevity. He said, having many sexual partners is directly linked to poor holistic health and decreased longevity. So our sexuality is a significant factor in the quality of our lives, and it can even factor into how long a person lives. So wisdom says that sexual immorality will trash your life, and we know very well that God only tells us to do things that will enrich and bless our lives, and He only tells us not to do things that will be destructive to our joy and peace. Well, then this weekend we're going to focus on speech, and we're going to find that uncontrolled speech can trash your life. James chapter 3, verses 2 and 6 says, indeed, we all make mistakes, for if anyone could control, for if we could control our tongues, we would be mature, and look at this, could also control ourselves in every other way. And among all the parts of the body, James says, the tongue is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body, that is, corrupting the whole person. So our takeaway here is that failure to control our tongue will cause us to lose control of our lives. James uses the the metaphor of a bit in the mouth of a horse. If you put a bit in the mouth of a horse, you control his whole body. He talks about the rudders of ships. If you get control of the rudder of a ship, you determine where that ship goes. The rudder is very small in proportion to the ship, but it determines where the ship goes just like the tongue is a very small member in the body, but it determines the direction of a life. So, Sexual immorality can trash your life. Uncontrolled speech can trash your life. And then next week, we're going to learn that a poor choice of friends can trash your life. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends 
soon comes to ruin. Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. In other words, the people that you hang out with and the people who are your closest friends will determine the upward or the downward direction of your life. Now, it's because of the power of our sexuality and the power of our speech and the power of our choice of friends to determine our future. That's why we're focusing on these three topics from Proverbs with a challenge for all of us to wise up, to elevate our thinking about these matters. Back to Patrick's definition of wisdom from last weekend. He said, wisdom is knowing and doing what is God's best. So we're going to know what's God's best for us as a result of our study in Proverbs, but whether we're truly wise is going to depend on whether we do it, whether we obey what we learn, whether we put into practice what we discover from God's Word. And this weekend, we want to wise up about our speech, wise up about the most important muscle in our body, the tongue. And in trying to pull together and impress this truth, from the many verses in Proverbs that relate to this topic, I decided to do something I seldom ever do. I want to use an acrostic to impress the importance of taking time to think before you speak. T-H-I-N-K. So ask yourself, the following questions before you speak. Number one, T, is what I am about to say true? Proverbs 12, 17 says, a truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in men and women who are truthful. I'm telling you folks, in a world that is filled with lies and half-truths, God values the truth, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's because He's the source of all truth. It's because Jesus is the very personification of truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. And He also said in John 8, 44, that Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies. Just as Jesus is the personification of truth, Satan is a liar. He is the personification of untruth. He is the father of lies. And then Revelation 21, 8 states that all unrepentant liars will take their place in the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. Now, here's what scares me, and I'm fearless. <laughs> Lying is clearly an offense to the Lord I profess to love. Yet I have probably done it more often throughout my life than any other sin. I believe that lying is, without question, the easiest sin to commit. It is the one that is most universally and routinely committed. 
I did a little research on lying statistics, and here's what I found. Adults who admit to telling lies habitually, 12%. 12% of people admit to telling lies habitually. Women who admit to telling harmless half-truths, 80%. Wow. Then people who admit to lying on resumes, fully one-third. So those of you who look at resumes and you're considering people, (laughs) realize that that your chances are one in three that you've got uh, somebody misrepresenting themselves on a resume. Patients who lie to their doctors, 32%. And I know what they're lying about. They're lying about their diet and they're lying about exercise. That's what they're lying about. (laughs) And then the percentage of people who admit that they lie at least once in a 10-minute conversation, 60%. And parents get the worst of the lies. Parents, 86% of children testify that they lie to their parents. Lying has so saturated our culture. People lie to keep from hurting feelings. But Proverbs 28, verse 23 says, in the end, People appreciate frankness more than flattery. And we lie to friends and to members of our own family. But Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. If you want to be affectionate with your family and friends, be truthful, be honest. Sometimes we lie to make ourselves look good, but Proverbs 27, verse 2 says, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Sometimes people lie to get ahead, but Proverbs 19.1 says, it's better to be poor and honest than a rich person that no one can trust. Sometimes people lie to, to get a financial advantage or to get some kind of a financial settlement, but Proverbs 21.6 says that a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. So what about it? Can we pause long enough to ask ourselves if what we are about to say is true? And I haven't begun to cover all the verses in Proverbs related to this abuse of speech. One more, Proverbs 19, 5 and 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who utters lies will not escape. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who utters lies will perish. So, first question to ask yourself if you're going to think before you speak, is it T, truthful? H, is what I'm about to say helpful? Now, here we're talking about gossip, the casual and unconstrained conversation or reports about other people that are usually not complimentary. A gossip is a person who likes talking about other people's personal lives. But Proverbs 18.8 and also Proverbs 26.22 have exactly the same verse in both of those references. It's repeated verbatim twice in the Proverbs. There's nothing so delicious as the taste of gossip. It melts in your mouth, not in your hand. You see this? What Solomon's doing, he's using satire to confront this sin. He's saying that in human nature, there is a perverse appetite 
for gossip, and it's a rare person today who's got a conscience about it. Gossip is actually mainstream entertainment today, all day long on television. There's programming that shamelessly promotes gossip, and there are scores of magazines with provocative titles on the racks and grocery stores that exploit the private lives of the well-known as well as the unknown. And someone has said, great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Joseph, Joseph Teluskin is the author of the book, Words That Hurt, Words That Heal, and he goes all over the country lecturing on the power of words and the often negative impact of words. And he will ask his audience in these seminars if they can go 24 hours without saying an unkind word to another person or about another person. Invariably, a very small percentage of people raise their hands indicating they can do it. And Telushkin responds, if you cannot answer yes, you must recognize that you have a serious problem. If you cannot go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're direct, you are addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. And similarly, if you cannot go 24 hours without saying unkind words about or to others, you have lost control of your tongue. Take a look at a couple more verses that give us more wise counsel about gossip from Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 28, an evil man sows strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. And then Proverbs 26, 20, without wood a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. So, if you're talking to people or about people in ways that cause conflict, or if you are talking about a friend of yours in a way that is disloyal, you can expect to be shunned. Very soon, you will be short on significant social contact and friendships. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to be quiet and let a quarrel die down. Bottom line here, use your tongue to bless people, not blast people. James 3, 9 and 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. James has sometimes been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. With it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. An elderly gentleman was gradually becoming deaf, and his family noticed it, and they were encouraging him to get hearing aids. Finally, he did, and it gave him back 100% of his hearing. A month later, he returned to his doctor to be tested. The doctor said, I've tested you. Your hearing is perfect. I imagine your family is pleased that you can hear again. And the old gentleman replied, oh, I haven't told them yet. I just sit around and listen. I've already changed my will three times. <laughs> so think, T-H-I-N-K before you speak. So is it true, T, is it helpful, H, is what I'm about to say inspiring? Give a listen 
to the wisdom contained in these verses. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Then Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Can I offer some unsolicited pastoral counsel to four categories of people who are here today? Parents, teachers, coaches, and bosses. Now, be honest now. When I ask you to test yourself, is your speech characteristically inspiring? If it isn't, then you're failing at a very important God-given responsibility. You are entrusted with authority, and your speech influences how you are fulfilling that trust. So a father who is verbally demeaning, caustic, irritable, and intimidating will rob his sons and daughters of confidence in their formative years, and he'll cheat himself out of a warm relationship with his adult children in the years ahead. A mother who is hard to please, verbally critical, controlling, overly dramatic, and temperamental will create emotional distance between herself and her children, and she will cheat herself out of happy memories in the future. A teacher who is austere, verbally harsh, relationally insulated, emotionally unavailable, and impatient will cheat his students, her students, out of an affirming learning experience for an entire year of their life. And he or she will lose the respect of student families and perceptive peers. A coach, whether you're a volunteer or you're vocational, a coach who uses words to ridicule and belittle, a coach who is volatile, emotionally unpredictable, verbally manipulative of his players, he will not motivate them to play their best, and he'll miss the experience of being on a winning team in the truest and best sense of the word. And the coach will cheat himself out of the unique relationships that athletes and their coaches can sometimes enjoy for years into the future. A boss who is not verbally affirming, he's hard to please, he's not communicative, he's unappreciative and presumptuous, he's going to cheat his employees out of a fulfilling work experience, and he's going to cheat himself out of the loyalty of his coworkers and the professional success that he desires. Proverbs 25, 11, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. One more application point here. A lot of words today are written more than they are spoken, but it is just as important to ask yourself before you click the keys on a keyboard or punch the letters on a cell phone, is this true? Is this helpful? Is this inspiring? So much on social media today is damaging to the character of both the writer and the one written to or the one written about. And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are being changed by Jesus, if you are on a mission with Jesus, wise up about your 
written speech online. Okay, well, that's inspiring itself, isn't it? What about asking yourself this one before you speak? What about this one? Is it, is it not only inspiring, is it necessary? And we've got Proverbs that will tell us about that. Whether it's necessary, some words are better unspoken. Sometimes nothing should be said. Take a look at Proverbs 10:19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Then Proverbs 11:12. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. So Ecclesiastes is right. There is a time to speak, and there is a time to refrain from speaking. There's a time to be silent. Calvin Coolidge once said, I've never been hurt, nor have I hurt anyone by anything I did not say. Now, I'm not sure about that because Failing to say, happy anniversary, dear, might not be good. You might get in trouble for that. But some people feel free to say whatever they're thinking out loud. Have you ever met someone like that who said, you don't have to wonder what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to come right out with it. And this kind of unfiltered outspokenness can so often degenerate into tactlessness, into verbal brutality. A professed Christian once said to John Wesley, Mr. Wesley, I pride myself in speaking my mind. This is my one talent. Well, said Wesley, I don't think the Lord would mind if you went ahead and buried that one. (laughs) Let me take a ride on a hobby horse here for a minute. There's some speech that I consider to be in very poor taste and certainly fits into the unnecessary category and that is language that is considered to be an acceptable substitute for profanity. Let me be specific here. Jeez for Jesus. Criminy for Christ. Gall darn, dag nabbit. Friggin' freakin'. Let's, let's show some restraint. Let's show a little intelligence. Let's show a little class. As Christians, let's embrace excellence in our speech. And that includes not speaking when it's unnecessary. One more letter in our T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And then is what I am about to say, kind. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In that same chapter, verse 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And Jesus declared in Matthew 12, 34, that it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. In other words, what we say to others is a reflection of who we are on the inside. So gentle words, healing words flow out of a healthy heart. Harsh words, hurtful words flow out of an unhealthy spiritual heart. And it's too bad when a professed Christian speaks unkind words. In the book, 
Joy Luck Club, a little girl, has the ability to see the secrets of the chess board, and her gift enables her to become a national chess champion at the age of eight. But she has a driven mother who's both envious of her daughter and selfishly determined to use her daughter to achieve her own ambitions of wealth and power. On one occasion, the little girl dares to resist her mother's pressure for perfection. And the mother responds with an icy stare before screaming at her daughter, You are nothing. You are nothing at all. And this is how the little girl described how those words made her feel in that moment. The confidence I had, the belief in what I had been given, I could actually feel it draining away. I could feel myself becoming ordinary. And in that moment, the best part of me disappeared. And this story of poison spewing from the heart, spewing from the mouth of a bitter and manipulative stage mom reminds me of the destructive influence of unguarded and unkind words. So do you want to hear some of the most true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind words ever spoken? They're the words, they're the words that were spoken by Peter. When Jesus asked him in Matthew 16, 15, who do you say that I am? And Peter confessed his faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In his heart he believed, and with his mouth he confessed Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you're ready to take this step and confess your faith, or if you're ready to talk about a decision for the future direction of your life, we want to talk to you and if you want to talk about a decision related to Crossroads, all you have to do is remain seated as others exit the worship center this morning, and we will come to you.